0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Ellen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where honest conversation takes place every week, every time Shannon and I get to get behind a microphone and have a Straightforward conversations about married life and sex and all that happens in between and I mean there's how, how, there's so many different ways you could describe this and I don't know if I probably have described them almost every way but
1: it's an enigma how's that, <laughs> that is true for a word. it is that <laughs>
0: and so thank you for taking some time out of your day wherever you are and however you listen thank you because you help spread the word help us climb the charts help us continue to get the message out that married sex is the hotbed for sex. And so Mm -hmm. if you have any kind of comments, thoughts that you want to give to us or questions, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com is how you get a hold of us. You can also Mm -hmm. jump on iTunes, leave any kind of review, comments there. That helps us spread the word even further.
1: So speaking of feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, can I start with a couple of Kudos and comments that have come in here recently. No,
0: we don't like kudos and comments. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) absolutely. You're going to get them
1: anyway. So Kristen emailed and she said, you two are really fun to listen to and are helping so many couples. We have a small group at church and our elder of that group listens to your podcast. And he said that we should all tune in. Well, my husband and I are having troubles, So I decided to take a listen. His wife had recommended episode 162 and 220. Well, I started there. And I have spent almost my entire work day listening to other episodes. She said, you offer lots of real situations and real solutions. Thank you for being out there and for caring enough about what people, uh, about people to, for caring enough about people to do what you do. Yes, I just hope that Kristen doesn't get herself fired listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Be careful, Kristen. Uh, But we love you for listening. And then also Tim emailed uh, in response to our comment, our our conversation about being in a holding pattern that whenever you don't know where you need to land on an issue, that it's okay to go into a holding pattern. And he says during instrument training for my pilot's license, it was emphasized to never accept a clearance to hold without without an expected further clearance time. Yep. It seems to me there's a biblical parallel for marriage in the verse regarding do not deprive, but for a time and by mutual agreement. Yep. And he says, I've been a binge listener from February of 2015, and I'm finally caught up. I love the show. And the recent one on abstinence and marriage struck a chord. Keep up the good work.
0: Yep. That so was a that's- great, that's a great email. I remember that one when it came in on. That's a great point because we do talk about what do you do when there is a holding pattern because right. one partner's not interested or they're avoiding or whatever the reason and i love the parallel of okay hold on i'll it hold They can't be indefinite right, i'll hold but i can't circle indefinitely right. cuz oh, there's going to be gap. a crash and burn right there's <laughs> going to be a problem and that's i love the idea of that of just okay wait i get it we can mm-hmm. we can wait but we got to circle back to this at some point right. and at least continue the conversation. Cause I think that's what we're big proponents of on the show
1: is Absolutely. we don't
0: try to tell couples, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Cause that's, we don't get a vote in that kind of stuff,
1: right? That's between you and God,
0: right. And you and your spouse. So right. I, instead it's, it's largely, Here's some good information to begin the conversations, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm most proud of with the mm-hmm. with what we do is that we begin conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. And something that you said at the tail end of the last episode about we do this because we love you. Yep. It reminded me, and I know that I've used this analogy before, but it's one of those things kind of like a presidential debate. It's worth repeating. It's worth repeating because you just – this is a concept that you need to grasp hold of for life, the concept of there's a difference between a police officer and an ambulance driver. Right. The police officer's job is to find out who's at fault, who's to blame, who deserves a ticket, who deserves to go to jail – the ambulance driver doesn't care about any of that. They just want to know who's bleeding, who's hurt. Does right. anybody need to go to the hospital? We <laughs> right. we really don't get hung up on the, the legalism of what you're doing or why. We're hung up on helping you make loving choices in expressing passion and commitment to your partner in really healthy ways and, and creating right. a vibrant sex life together right. in your marriage.
0: Right, because it, so, takes, it takes time and energy and intentionality and... It doesn't, you know, that's what we've said before, you know, good sex usually doesn't happen by accident.
1: No, no. <laughs> you have to be very intentional. That's right. true. And so speaking of wanting you to have a very vibrant sex life, I, I want to come back around to the abstinence episode as I from mentioned last, last week last time I, yep. for, and several weeks before with the original one. Yep there was a particular statement that I made that someone had called my attention to the fact that it could have been interpreted very, very differently than I intended. So I want to make sure that people knew what I was actually saying. The comment that I made that I was referring to, um, if you've made mistakes in the past, I had said, you can have a vibrant sex life anytime you choose to. And someone interpreted that as, before marriage.
0: Yeah, any time in your life.
1: 15, 50, 80, doesn't matter, any in your life. I wasn't saying that on a lifespan right. continuum. I was saying within your marriage, you can let go of your sexual baggage on any given day you choose. Okay. You can turn your marriage bed into the hot bed right. for sex at any point in time that you're ready to let go of the guilt. That's what I was referring to. Okay. So I just really appreciate the person who called that to my attention because I figured if she heard it that way, other people may have heard it that way too.
0: Yep. And that's the thing I wanted a little caveat to add that mm-hmm. for those of you that are, have sought, you know, listen to the show, maybe you've heard all the episodes or just a few or you're a binge listener, love binge listeners, by the way,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: that it's one of those, if you've got a question and you're like, ah, I don't know if I really want to ask it. I could have, I might be the only person in the world that, it, no, probably not. So the (laughs) encouragement would be if you speak up, you know, there's other people out there that that are the same because because there are a lot of similarities between us as humans. Mm -hmm. So when we hear certain things, there's likely other people that have heard it the same way. And I see that in the conversations that go on in the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy. Someone Mm -hmm. takes the risk to say, hey, here's what I've struggled with. And then there's a lot of people that jump on and say, yep, me too. I I have been there. I'm there now. I was there, you know. My spouse is there, so it's it's being able to see that there is a community that that can help. And Sexy Marriage Radio Academy would be that and if you're interested, sexymarriageradio.com, you'll see the purple buttons that talk about how you can join
1: I was going to say, I think that what I love most about the Academy members' interactions with one another is I never have seen any finger pointing, yeah. only hand-holding. Yeah. And there's a big difference between finger pointing and hand-holding. Yep. And so incredibly therapeutic community, we love being a part of it ourselves. Yep. And so, Corey, I want to come back around to the 10%, 90% concept.
0: Yeah, unpack that because that's where you left the cliffhanger last yep. week.
1: Yep. So... Studies show that 90% of people walk down the aisle to marry as a non-virgin, as having as someone who's already had sex, either with their partner that they're marrying or with someone prior to that partner.
0: And is it important to note that that's 90% of the general population? There's no religious correlation with this study. They're included in it, but it's not just 90% of religious people. Right. Right? So it's 90% of the population.
1: Well, here's what I wonder, and if there are any studies that somebody knows of, I would love it if you would send it to us at feedback at radio.com. I wonder, I mean, the same way that they say there's no difference in divorce rates between Christians and non-Christians, it's 50% across the board. I wonder if there is a difference in percentage of people who save sex for marriage. Because I think that some people have reasons other than religious reasons sure. that they choose to refrain from sexual intimacy sure. until marriage. But anyway, so 10% do and 90% do not. I thought it would be really beneficial for us to have a special show on what do you do with any regrets that you may be feeling, whether you're a part of the 10% or the 90%. Because quite honestly, over the past 20 years of doing what I do, I've had, I mean, I have tons of people in the 90% category who have regretted, you know, doing what they did prior to marriage. But I've also heard some people very humbly and, and and sadly say that they actually regret not getting experience outside of marriage. And please don't shoot me for saying that. I'm not prescribing it. I'm only describing it. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying, I know that there are people out there. Right. That they did it, quote, God's way, and now they're pretty mad at God.
0: They're wondering they what they're missing out yeah what they miss out on maybe in the world's what, terms
1: yeah that they, they i mean i don't i don't know i i i can't claim that i was in that 10% that saved sex until marriage so you know I, i'm not going to claim to know how they feel but i've had enough coaching sessions with people to know that some of them feel very cheated and very sexually frustrated okay and so i thought it would be a good episode to have on just sexual regrets and let's talk about How can you turn that around and open lines of communication between the spouses such that it's not too late to make it vibrant and exciting and all the things that you're disappointed that it's not? Because I think a lot of people, what they do is they wind up having an affair, assuming that the problem is that I picked the wrong partner when you're a common denominator in both of those equations. If you honestly think that just changing partners is going to change your entire sexual repertoire, sexual dynamic, you're probably wrong. Working on yourself and encouraging your spouse to work on themselves is the only recipe for success in this, in this mix. Right. And then I thought it would also benefit to talk about the 90% of of the 90% of people Uh, who feel as if they have a lot of regrets about making the decisions that they made of just giving themselves a clean slate and not letting regrets rule um, how we conduct our lives. Okay. So can we just talk about regrets in marriage? So it's not as much about abstinence or not. We've established that that's certainly the goal in life, but not everybody is able to achieve that goal for a wide variety of reasons. So let's talk about what do you do with it when When you weren't able to do it the way that you, in hindsight, wish you could have.
0: Yeah. No, I I think that's completely valid because that applies to a lot of people. And in the idea that we all make mistakes, we all get caught up in moments, we all do things that we wish we could do different. And so learning to forgive self is a huge growth component and and take it out of the spiritual realm. Even it's still a huge growth component. Mm -hmm. Right,
1: forgiveness is not strictly a spiritual
0: no. concept. No, and and it's also not even just the idea of I need to be spiritually forgiven, which I absolutely do, because that's just in, you know if you have the belief and bent like you and I do in the of the show, uh, just in the way we live our life that we've all sinned, and and been disconnected from God, and so it's only through Jesus and His sacrifice that we get atonement and redemption, right? For to have a relationship with God again, but. It's seeing it also in the, in the context of how do I view myself with my choices and my mistakes that could be seen as egregious. I mean, I actually had this, a client just the other day that she had an affair and she loved it when I shared the concept of, okay, so yeah, that happened. Now, you know what you're capable of, right? And good and bad. And that's good mm-hmm. information to know because it's. we all go into them stuff usually thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me. I would never right. do that. But then we do it, and it's like, oh, crap. And we can either beat ourselves up or we can start to see it as, okay, I know what I'm capable of with the right mm-hmm. circumstances or the wrong circumstances. So now what do I do with that information? And so I think all of that applies to how do we move forward in married life and in our sex lives with regret, with baggage, with— Hurt, shame, guilt, whatever it may be.
1: Right. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, you're right. I've never heard anybody on their wedding day say, I am totally capable of, I, I could cheat any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course they go, Oh, I could never have eyes right. for anybody else. Right. Because
0: and... we're caught up in a euphoric moment and in mm-hmm. a longing thing. And that's some of the same thing. Never mind. Well, we're going to come, we'll probably circle back yeah. to it. I'm going to table it. Go.
1: Well, I, it also brings to mind something that someone wrote on the Academy page about how one of these days you're going to wake up and you're going to realize that you married the wrong person. Yep. And that is when real marriage begins. That's when
0: your marriage really <laughs> begins. <Yep. laughs>
1: I totally loved that. So it, it is certainly common to have second thought or is it second thoughts? I guess more hindsight.
0: Yes. It, it's, well, it, it's It's regret thoughts. It's, you know, you're second guessing a decisions that were made, or you're just still beating yourself up over decisions right. that were made.
1: Right. Okay. So let's start with the 10% first. Okay. Okay. First, I want to acknowledge that of that 10%, not everybody regrets that decision. I mean, there are lots of people who they worked really hard to save sex until marriage and they're really glad that they did. And they feel as if their marriage is all the more rich and fulfilling because each other is the only partner that they've ever had. They don't have anyone to compare it to. They did. They never worried about diseases or unplanned pregnancies or any of those things. And so if it worked for you and you have no regrets about it, please don't interpret this show as we think that you should have regrets because we're not <laughs> saying that at all. Right? <laughs> it's like, I got to be really careful what people are thinking about my opinions moving forward. Right. You know? So if, if you did it and you were glad you did it, we are so glad for you. And that is a testimony to what living by God's standards can do for a person's mm-hmm. life. But not everyone falls into that category. Okay. So when you hear people say, my spouse is the only partner that I've ever had, and they say it with a tone of regret or longing or just curiosity. What do you think is behind that? What do you think that they're really saying?
0: Well, to, the first thing that jumps to my mind is the fear of missing out. FOMO. <laughs> that that according, F-O-M-O. To, <laughs> according to the world's standard, what am mm-hmm. I missing out by having not had several escapades with, with sexual endeavors. And you know what, that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind.
1: And, and my rebuttal to that is I, mean, I think that you're right. We do live in a FOMO world of, you know, every time you sit down to social media, you see what everybody else is doing and you have this fear of missing out thing. But why do we assume, why do humans assume that the only way to experience what you may be missing out on is to change partners and have that with someone else. Why can't we create something new and exciting and adventurous and titillating and edgy and energizing with the partner that okay. we've had from the start? Yeah. Why does it have to be a different partner?
0: Well, I get it. Be- part of it is because we're talking about chemicals, and okay. the chemicals you have when you first met and fell in love with your partner. Uh, you can't recreate in the same relationship too, cause it's a different chemical that then takes over for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that euphoric longing, obsessive. Yeah. You know, remember when, you know, you know, we would hear this from clients, Shannon, that where that when you were dating and you would drop her off at well, you wouldn't be dropping her off, but, you know, you would be dropped <laughs> off at the house, and then he would call you as soon as he got in a car to talk the whole drive home for him because he just wanted to make sure, did you get in the door okay? What's, what are you doing now? And it's it's really know,
1: just an excuse to prolong. Yeah, the-
0: and you're just so up in, uh, in each other's business, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if you will, and mm-hmm. so obsessed about each other. That's a chemical in your brain. That's going Mm -hmm. off, and it lasts for only I mean, research shows six months to two years,
1: 18 to 24 months is the best, and
0: then it's gone. And Mm -hmm. you can't recreate that in that same relationship without some major circumstances. I mean, there's possibilities of a renewed kind of ping of that, Mm -hmm. but that's a those are huge tragic scares. Those are some of those things where you totally, I mean, you're talking about somebody's got a cancer diagnosis, and then they get. They get uh, remission, and then all of a sudden, uh, new love is reborn.
1: New, new lease on life right. type of a thing. Yeah,
0: because that's changed your whole perspective, not just the marriage. And so a lot of people, they just want that again. And that's what I hear mm. all the time. That's what people email us about.
1: They, they want the energy.
0: I want, I want what we had.
1: The euphoria. And,
0: and I want to try to propose to everybody, you're not getting what you had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> get over it. Well, because
0: some of it is going to We have to face reality that that wasn't even real either that was, right. that, was that was the temporary. idealistic distortions that we had of each other
1: right so the veil lifts eventually
0: so it's seeing it as how do we go forward in marriage it's not lived backwards and so i think a lot of people they just want when it was easy and both people were totally into each other and there was no bills and kids and mortgages and jobs and in life and sandwich generations of raising kids and caring for aging parents. And, you know, we want to just escape that. And that's what the marriage, the relationship did. And so we think, well, okay, if I can't get it here, that person's paying attention to me and that's sparked something in me that feels like what I used to have. I'll go to that.
1: Right. Right. But coming back to the sexual dynamic within your marriage relationship. Yep. If what you're craving is something new, different, energizing, adventurous, there are ways to create that with the person you're with. You love the one you're with type of a thing. (laughs) You don't have to go to another person because otherwise, how could people possibly be married for 50, sometimes 60 years and faithful in that marriage and satisfied within that sexual relationship if they're not on occasion reinventing their sexual relationship.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what wasn't it on John Piper's website. Somebody had just left a, um, I think they shared this in the Academy of uh, how do you have sex with the same person? And the guy's response was, I don't, my wife is different every Mm -hmm. season of life. Mm-hmm. Because she's not the woman I married. She's a different woman today. I'm a different man today. And I think if I can...
1: They're evolving.
0: If I can reframe the way I look at that, to me, that's what combats the fear of missing out. That's what combats the novel. What am I missing that's novel? What am I missing that's new? And,
1: that's, that's that's titillating. Right. And that's that feel. it's going to feel really good. It's going to heighten my orgasm. And or what am frequently? I holding back
0: in my marriage out of fear? Because... I I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know how they'll, you know, because that's the snarchist stuff on that is the concept of people go out and have affairs because they want to do things that their spouse would never want to do. But they've never brought it up to their spouse on do they want to do it or not.
1: Right, right, which is not very fair. <laughs>
0: not at all, you know. So yeah. I, I thought I would just go do it with somebody else, and that's, I, that's almost a, con, a like I'm doing it out of compassion for you because it's like no, no. <laughs> yeah, because I
1: don't want you to be put upon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly. I mean, so many of the women that I've worked with before who have engaged in sexually addictive behaviors the things that they do with other partners are things they feel as if they could never in a million years ask their spouse for yeah but it's like why the heck not like if this is really what floats your boat if this particular activity or fetish or fantasy or whatever is really what heightens your sexual arousal why can't you ask your spouse for that and if there's hesitancy on the partner's part get into counseling and figure out what does this represent to each one of us? Because obviously if one of you is all gung-ho about it and the other is like, oh, no, no about it, There's it represents two completely different things. But if you can get on the same page about what it could represent in your relationship, then feelings could evolve and you can find that healthy middle ground. So I would say that the message to the 10 percenters who are dealing with regrets that they've only had one marriage partner in their life or they didn't experiment or explore uh, prior to getting married I would say that the experimentation and the exploration is still yet to come. You have every opportunity to do that right here and now you don't yeah. need a different partner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we got to hit the night. We got to hit the larger partners
1: to have a different mindset, <laughs> right. but that's going to require you to have a different mindset too.
0: All right. So, got to hit the larger population now.
1: Okay. I mean, this is what breaks my heart about women at the well workshops is that, you know, so many of the women I would venture to say that usually half of them are there because they are letting ghosts from the past haunt them. Right. That they have sexual skeletons in their closet that they have never told anyone. And I always feel so very honored when they open them up and you know, they, they unpack their Pandora's box with me and these other women who proved to be equally as vulnerable and safe to process things with. But It just breaks my heart how they feel so broken, irreparably broken. Is that the right word? Irreparably? Like they don't feel as if there's any repair for them. No
0: redemption possible for them.
1: And I don't get how that is even possible because the human spirit and the human body are so freaking resilient. You know, we cut ourselves yes. and it heals over time and yes. eventually you oftentimes don't even see the scar and we have major losses in our life but we keep p- putting one foot in front of the other we keep moving on why do we let sexual scars be something that completely cripples us right. That breaks my heart because I, you're not just punishing yourself. Yes. You're punishing your husband yes. or your spouse. I mean, this is not just a female thing, but sure. I think that females females wrestle with the guilt far more often than men do because in society, it's glamorized for a man to have lots of partners or lots of sexual exploits. And for a right. woman, it's it's very, very shame-filled, shame-based.
0: Yeah. And I think of it, some of that, what the immediate thought I've got, on why do we beat ourselves up more over that than other tragedies and things that happen is there is an element of this. What we talked about a little bit on the last show that, you know, I, lots of people choose sex, right? It's, and I'm not talking about the, the traumatic abuse moments where they were powerless. This is no, I chose this, and so mm-hmm. now I'm not. My talking, arousal
1: level reached the point right. that there was no return.
0: I'm not talking about tragedy of losing a loved one that I heal from because that I didn't choose that, or mm. I got cut by something because okay. I didn't choose that. That was an accident. Right. Well, these weren't, and so now I'm having to. I'm questioning my own judgment, which that's a deep level. Whoa. <laughs> I don't. I've always thought of myself as a person with more integrity or more character or whatever. Stance, and so that calls into a deeper uh, crisis, if you will, of our psyche, and I think that probably then carries forward much more than we think it would. And then you add to it the layer of profoundness that I believe is accompanied with sex. That you know, because the world has proposed, you know, sex is just a, a physical thing but there's a pair bonding there's a spiritual component there's Absolutely. a soul and mental component that this is beyond just penis and vagina this mm-hmm. is this is something profound and so now all of a sudden i'm giving i'm connecting with somebody on a deeper level that i don't completely understand and mm-hmm. so if it was with somebody that i'm not married to well there's a different level of of confusion <laughs> to put it mildly that i maybe need to explore
1: Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, do people assume that their sexual misdeeds represent the worst in them of what okay. they're capable of? And then that way their sexuality takes on a very dark persona.
0: Right. So then the the repercussion in married life becomes, I got to shut all that down because that's right. dark and, and bad and how dare the pendulum i pendulum swings right. hard so i go mm-hmm, 180 degrees swings- from crazy
1: <laughs> which is another form yeah
0: of crazy Of crazy
1: yep. <laughs> right that there's where i often see women operating is yep. that it's just been a big fat pendulum swing of because my husband and i did all these things prior to marriage or because i did all these things prior to ever meeting my husband now they feel as if the pendulum has to swing to the equal degree to the opposite side and they feel as if they have to just shut down and and be just little miss Pollyanna purity. And it's like, "Mm, no, that's, that's not healthy either. Frigidity is certainly not what people sign up for marriage to live out. And so I, I want to really encourage especially women who feel guilty about the sexual energy that emanated from them and that they received and reciprocated in their dating relationships. I want them to consider that not as something bad or unholy, just because you felt that chemistry and that arousal that didn't make you a bad person. And to experience it again, it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you an alive person. Because here's the only thing that sets apart dead people from alive people. Is that alive people get horny and dead people don't. (laughs) To the (laughs) fact that there was all this chemistry and all these hormones raging through you and you felt all this attraction, didn't mean that you're a wretched sinner. It meant that you're an alive human being and your hormones are functioning exactly the way that they should. And maybe you could even reframe it that even though it was maybe part of your spiritual repertoire to save sex until marriage, but you found your husband so physically irresistible that you chose to forget about that long enough to engage in whatever you guys decided to engage in maybe stop looking at that as like such a huge overwhelming failure and look at it as there is so much chemistry between me and my spouse that we even ignored what we knew to be true and right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you've destroyed it forever. Right. You can still feel that bond and that chemistry with someone, because I don't think that God's heart is to ever make a couple feel like, well, because you didn't save sex until marriage, I'm never going to bless your marriage bed. Right. Like, Kind of goes back to that. Oh, but true love waits. Well, we didn't wait. So what do we have? I guess we have false love. Right. No. Love is as true as you choose to make it. Yep. So.
0: Okay. I, I would add the addendum, I guess, of, okay. so what do you do with this now in married life? That some of mm-hmm. it is, is okay, yeah, I need to uh, maybe unpack and learn levels of forgiveness for self, for spouse.
1: Self, yes. Um,
0: that, and spouse. And need to have some conversations and say, you know, at the, at the very least acknowledge, you know what, I'm feeling guilty over what we did or what I did. And and then at least it's in the air and our brains start to do something with it. Our relationship starts to do something with it. And God does something with it immediately. Um, but. I think of it in terms of if I'm trying to recreate some sort of sexual energy, passion, desire, drive, all that we once had. What comes to my mind on what I do going forward, Shannon, is mm-hmm. is this one it, it, this is what apply this is what it works for me is the idea of the dishwasher. Okay? Okay. <laughs> so, because I think of it in terms of how often in life do we just focus so much and place so much emphasis on our sexual energy rather than the other energies that make us feel alive, mm. right? So
1: Sublimation. Sure. Channeling sexual energies into other energies. Well, it,
0: but I think they all are completely interchangeable to a degree. That if I've got sexual energy and I'm horny, if I go work out, that helps take the edge off a little, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. maybe that might just enhance it. I don't know. It depends on what your workout Mm. is and what you're doing that day. But I think of it in terms of, am I just living a full on passionate life? And so to me, growing up, I'm convinced my parents, this probably wasn't a conversation that was conscious, but I'm convinced I was conceived and born so that I could mow the lawn, change the channel and unload the dishwasher for my parents. Because that just seemed like that's all I did, right? It was one of those things where I just hated it. And so every time I see the dishwasher light on, even to this day, meaning it's clean, time to be unloaded, there's a part of me that's like, no. You know, because it's like, I don't want to do that. But what I've started doing is I turned it, when my kids were little, we turned it into a game. Because one of the things that clicked with me on living a passionate life is, how can I have fun with everything I do in my life? And so we would actually turn it into a game of how quickly could we get the dishwasher unloaded without breaking anything. And we would start the clock and go and we'd all do it together and we'd laugh and have fun and, and it became a competition. And so now to this day, it's changed the context of it a little, there's still times like mm-hmm. right now the lights on and I'm like, oh, reframe it. I got to do it again <laughs> later today, or I get my kids to do it, which is even better, but then they're going to grow up hating it. But it's still just seeing it as mm-hmm. that's, that may not seem like it applies to our sex life, but it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Of, Am I living a whole alive life or right. is it just partial?
1: Right. A book that I would highly recommend to people who are really stuck in this area of beating themselves up over some sort of past, whether it's a sexual misdeed or whether it's just sin in general or whatever, is a book by Richard Rohr, R O H R called Falling Upward, yep. and the whole concept is it's our sin that brings us to our knees at the foot of the cross, and that's what bonds us to God in the first place, and anybody who thinks that their salvation is based on their sexual purity read the wrong Bible. <laughs> right. It's, it's never intended to be that, and when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't say forgive them for their sins except for the sexual ones. Those are too big. I'm not dying right. for those. You're either forgiven or you're not. It's, right. it's like pregnancy. You either are or you're not. And Jesus died on the cross to forgive you from all of your sins. So stop holding on to it. Yep. Let it go.
0: Yep. So it's uh, it one go. of those, there's regret. I knew it was coming. I, I tried Let to start talking to avoid <laughs> the con. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> A little frozen action there. <laughs> but it is, I think it's important to recognize regret hits us all. Some sure, more than others. Sure, part of life. And so mm-hmm. it's just... How do I have a better view and outlook of, okay, I, I see what I'm capable of. I see what I chose. Now that I have the information I have, I know more. I wouldn't choose the same. Or, you know, so it's just how do I just be more grown up in how I can approach things and, and right. put down what I need to put down and keep going and make the steps I need to make going forward? Yep. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio.
1: I think we can exhale on this topic now. Hopefully you've covered all the bases and and smoothed over whatever feathers we ruffled.
0: Thanks for taking time out of your day to spend it with us. See you next time. We love you for
1: listening.